So have you ever had a sudden realization of something significant? It's a pretty big question for a new year, don't you think? Um, apparently they haven't, Pastor Steve. I meant it. Have you ever had a sudden realization of something significant? Not a hard question, have you? Yeah. Um, that is actually the, the definition of epiphany is a sudden realization of something significant. Today is a day of epiphany. And it's a day to have a sudden realization of something significant. I had one recently. It, it was actually a few days before, actually the day before Christmas Eve. So it was Christmas Eve Eve, right? And many of you know this. I have a kind of a passion and I'm, I'm a little over the top in this. I, I love riding my bicycle, and, and I, I ride year-round and put in hundreds and hundreds of miles, actually thousands of, thousands of miles every year now, and, and uh, I, I, I love to ride. It's, it's my escape. It's my prayer time. It's my time to get away and think and ponder and just take in, in uh, all the, of God's creation. And the and, uh, thing is, I, there's times of this year when the days get short, you, you kind of have to ride in the dark sometimes. And, and so I have uh, actually a taillights and headlights. They're rechargeable. I plug them right in the USB port and recharge them uh, every day to get ready for the next ride. And um, I went for a, a night ride uh, on Christmas Eve Eve. And part of it was I wanted to take a, uh, just a, a, a pass by downtown Rochester and see the lights, and, and, uh, which get to see often, often, but on my bike is a little different thing. And Stopped in, the crowds were down there and everything, and took some pictures. It was just beautiful. It was a beautiful night. And, and I kept riding, and I was riding along and coming around uh, Ludlow, past the park out there, and, and I had a sudden realization of something significant. Here's what happened. My headlight went out. Um, it became very dark, and, and I realized in the words of, that Jesus once spoke, and put those up there, John 1235, whoever rides in the dark does not know where they are going. Um, if you're wondering, is that really what Jesus said? Actually, this is the NCV, which you might think, oh, that's New Century version. No, this is the New Cyclist version. Um, Jesus actually said, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. I'd like to add, if you're riding on a bike at high speeds, it's even worse. Because if you're in the dark, you're going to crash. And praise God, I didn't. I actually slammed on my brakes quickly. Like, whoa, what just happened here? And I'm thinking, I'm only a half hour, 40 minutes into my ride. My light should not have gone out. And then I'm looking at it, and the battery indicator says it, it was empty. It, it had died. Like, this is not good. I'm a long way from home. Now what? And the realization, the sudden realization of something significant came on me that night. It's not good to be in the dark. Would you agree? Actually, I'd kind of expect you to disagree because the reality is a lot of us live in the dark and we actually choose the dark because we are afraid to come into the light. If we're honest, it may be that people around us don't really know that's how we feel, but the reality is as people, we like the dark. We enjoy the dark. We seek the dark. And if you haven't figured out where I'm going with this, is Scripture makes it very clear 
again and again that often when the the dark and light comparisons are made, darkness stands for evil. Darkness stands for sin. Darkness stands for the rebellion of people turning away from the light of God. And if I'm honest, and if you're honest, we love the dark. Or as Jesus said it elsewhere, I think in John 3.19, he says, light has come into this world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Why is it we avoid the light? Well, it's because coming into the light means we will be exposed. Our true motives the things that motivate us, that give us ambition in life. And and a lot of times, it it isn't the things of God. A lot of times, it's selfish pursuits that drive us, if we're honest. And and that's not of light. That's of of darkness. What's that darkness look like for you today in this new year, in the time of new starts and new beginnings? What does the dark pursuits of your life look like? Maybe for you it's sexual temptation. Maybe for you it's the love of money, the worship of money and materialism. Maybe for you it's, it's pursuits of, of trying to escape life because it's too painful and so you're pursuing and, and, and escaping it in ways that are, are not healthy and certainly not filled with the light of God's presence. Maybe for you it's just an ongoing struggle with anger or bitterness or rage. Maybe darkness for you is, is filled in other ways that go beyond with what I've said, but they are very real for you because you know what I'm talking about. You are a person like I am that seeks darkness way too often, which makes no sense, does it really? Being people who know what we know, why would we seek darkness? Especially when the light has come. I told you where I was when the darkness hit and that sudden realization of something significant. Well, then something greater hit me just a few moments later as I was getting my wherewithal and as my eyes adjusted to my surroundings. I looked up and across the street, just a little ways away, was this scene. You may recognize it. (laughs) It's right out front and it was not lost on me that night. To have my eyes adjusting to the light of a nativity scene on the front lawn of St. John Lutheran Church and School. It also bothered me that the Magi had already shown up and it was only Christmas Eve Eve. Because <laughs> they didn't come to much later. But there they are, kneeling before the manger, before the newborn Savior Jesus with their gifts. Scripture tells us they came, and uh, even the hymn said, uh, the wise men three. Uh, do we know how many wise men or magi there were? We, we actually don't. Just to clarify that, and, and I said that it may have shaken you up. What do you mean they weren't at the manger? They, they actually didn't come to the manger the night Jesus was born, and it's very likely they came at the earliest, maybe a couple months, three months or so later, but it could have been three years later um, based in the chronology of time. Uh, and we, we have some hints of that. It, it's very clear Jesus uh, was presented at the temple and, and Mary and Joseph had made that, that trip as well. Um, 
but we also, before the, the Magi arrived, and it also says that they didn't show up at the manger, they, they show up at a house, so uh, there's more details to the story, we don't have all those details, but we know this, they came, and they showed up, but it was sometime later, but we don't know how many of them there were, though tradition starts to write that story many centuries later, we, they're even given names, um, Gaspar, uh, Melchor and uh, Belthazar, something like that, and they're even, in some tr- Christian traditions, given their ages that they were 20 years old, 40 years old, and 60 years old, though the scriptures speak nothing of that. We're even told that uh, in Christian tradition uh, of where they came from, that, that uh, one was of European white descent, one was of Asian descent, and one was of black African descent, and um, that preaches well and makes sense because truly the, the message here is that the light has come for all nations but the scriptures don't necessarily share that's who these guys were. And, but what we do know is they came. These magi who had followed this light in the sky. They seek out Herod's advice saying, hey, we're, we're trying to find the newborn king. And, 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 and as I've read up on this and discovered this would not have been a strange question because many people were talking about a day that would come where a king would rise up in Judah. And, and it was clear in, in the Old Testament scriptures through Advent, we, we studied some of those texts that speak of that coming light and that promised Messiah. But also within other uh, traditions of the day, this is fascinating to me, how God was preparing the world for his coming in ways that would be outside of our realm. And um, there was a, an expectation in, in some foreign lands that people who had studied the stars, that there would be a a connection with Jupiter being a king that would rise up out of Judah. Fascinating to me. And that some scholars believe that maybe the light they were following based in historical records that have come together, that there was an alignment of planets uh, around 5 BC, 5 or 6 BC. And this is, you say, well, wait a minute, Jesus was born in 0 BC or 1 BC, right? Or, Or AD, 1 AD, isn't that when Jesus arrives? Well, our dating system came later, and they were off by about five or six years. And the reason we know that is because Herod died in 1 BC. So that makes it a little hard for Herod to be in the story because our dating is off. It's not the scripture being off. Our dating is off. But that uh, an interplanetary alignment happened around 5 or 6 BC uh, where Jupiter and Saturn came together, and, and there was a three-month period where Mars was joined in, and it would have been this incredible brightness in the sky which among those who had studied the stars may have thought, hey, the king has come and arrived in Palestine. There's also some discussion, maybe it was uh, actually a comet they followed, and some research shows there was a comet in that vicinity of time as well that may have been an indicator as well, or maybe with several events, including the lining up of the planets and this this comet. And and also, uh, there, there may have also been record that there was a, when they, what do they call those, um, not a pulsar, but that when, a, when a star is exploding, and, it, and there's some record of that it was so bright that it could be seen during the day, and a nova is what they're called, and, and that may have been it. The answer is we, we don't know exactly what that light was, but it's clear it existed and it was there. And nonetheless, it was God going to all extents to let the world know something significant and a realization of how significant it was that he had come, a newborn savior, a king. And here these these wise guys, these magi, they, they, 
come from a distant land, and they present him with these gifts. Which through the years we've come to understand there's a, there's a significance to them that, that not only connect devotionally and spiritually and, 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 and relationally to us as people, that here they present a, a gift of gold, a, a, a Savior who has come to be king. Gold is a, a signifier of someone important. They present him with frankincense, something that would be used in the temple, in the, the prayers of God's people, in the offerings of God's people, in the payment of, of sin for, by the sacrifices that were made. Ultimately pointing to the also gift of myrrh, which often was used to, to anoint bodies that were prepared for burial as Jesus' body was anointed with myrrh. These three gifts that point to a Savior who has come in a way that would change life as we know it. A a realization of something significant. The Magi realized it as they bowed down and they worshipped him. The shepherds realized as they bowed down and worshipped him and, and returned with joy. Because the significance of a God who had come near to remind them that they were not forgotten, that they were loved, that the light had come on them as people, that darkness no longer made any sense. Hmm. Why would we live in darkness when light has come? Isaiah foretold it. We read it in our scripture reading a little bit ago. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his his glory appears over you. You Some weeks ago we'd even talked about the text that comes earlier in Isaiah from Isaiah 9. where uh, This isn't on the screen, but the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And he goes on, he says, you have enlarged their nation. And increased their joy. That Isaiah through prophetic eyes could see a day where the light of God's presence would come on his people. And would open their eyes, open their hearts to experience joy unlike ever before. What a joy. And why is it we would seek darkness when God has come to give us something greater in his light? You know, Isaiah goes on in in chapter 60 And I love the joy that he talks about here. I read this, we read it a moment ago, but he says, you know, people from all nations will come to your light, to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes, look about you. All assemble and come to you. Their sons come from afar. Your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. As the wealth on the seas will be brought to you, to you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. And all will come bearing gold and incense, proclaiming the praise of the Lord. I've read that for years, and I don't know why. I've just always assumed that when he talks about that your heart will will throb and swell with joy. That's that phrase. It's like your your heart will throb and and swell with joy. And it's... I was like, oh, that's God saying our hearts will throb and swell with joy. And, and at a closer look, I'm realizing, no, this is, Isaiah's saying this is God's heart. And a lot of times we're so focused on ourselves and trying to seek our own joy, we forget our God takes great joy in us as well. 
that as his people, people of every nation, tribe, and language, people, no matter what their backgrounds or their broken realities or sin or messed up decisions they've made, no matter what last year or the years before hold and have held for you, that we can come to him together today as a people gathered in the light of the gospel of Jesus to know that not only does he bring us joy, but that our God's heart throbs and swells with joy too at the sight of his people who come into his presence, who grow through his word, who, who spend time at the sacrament where he meets them with his presence and says, you are loved and I'm touching you with my grace to remind you, you need not face this day with self-sufficiency and trying to seek darkness, but rather to live life with joy in the light of my presence and my promises over you. I don't know about you, but that's a sudden realization of something truly significant, unlike anything else in this world. Let's praise him in this new year as we pray. Lord Jesus, spiritually, we bow before you today in worship. And we thank you that the light has come. And we ask your forgiveness for all the times we have sought darkness, where our batteries have have run out because we've run from you we've escaped you and we've sought darkness rather than light but today you invite us back to recharge us to open our eyes to open our hearts to open the reality the realization of something great and significant and may we see it today you are a god of light And you've called us as children of light to live as children of light. So we pray, as we face this new year and as we face it one day at a time, may these days be filled with time in your presence, time in your word, time in worship, time receiving your ongoing promise through your presence in your supper. That, Lord, this year would be a year filled with the light and the joy that you come to bring as we also celebrate the fact it brings you great joy when your people turn to you in your light. As your family in Christ Jesus, the one who has come to bring that light, we praise you, our King, our Savior, our Lord. In your name, amen.